As many of you know, June is Pride Month, and so I wanted to do something special this month to highlight someone in the LGBTQ community. Nate, my husband, worked with Sarah. She's just this amazing lady, and I met Sarah and Becky at the company party this last December, and they are seriously just some of the best people you'll ever meet. And they were kind enough to come on the podcast and share about their journey and what it was like for them coming out to their friends and family. And there's some heartbreaking stories of them being rejected by some of the people that they love the most. And I just love learning from them. We all have people in our lives who are a part of this community. And I hope by listening to their stories, you can learn not only from the people who stood by them and loved them, but also learn from those that rejected them and that we can better be those people to stand by our friends and family and be the loving support. Regardless of what they've been through, they just embody such goodness, such respect for others and their beliefs, and they're just so kind. And one thing that Sarah taught me in this interview was she said, what does it look like to be kind? I hope as you listen to their episode today, you can learn from their goodness. They're just some of the most amazing people that you'll ever meet, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Although we can't go back in time, we can reflect on our past experiences and learn from them. But wouldn't it be so amazing if we could? If you could, what would you tell yourself? This is Letters to My Younger Self. I'm Liz Gardner. Join me as we talk with some of my favorite people about their life stories and how they've learned and how we can become a little better by hearing their incredible stories. Dear Younger Sarah, I know the feelings you have right now are confusing and a little bit scary. I know you recognize you feel differently about girls than your friends do. It's okay. You're going to go through some hard and challenging times as you find yourself and your truth. You're going to get hurt, you'll be hidden, and you'll feel shame, but it's all going to be worth it in the long run. Your love story will be unique and special, so hold tight to knowing you will find your forever love, and you'll even have a killer wedding that people will talk about for years. I'm so excited to have Becky introduce Sarah. So Becky, can you tell us a little bit about Sarah? One of my very most favorite things about Sarah is that when people meet her, their first words out of their mouth are usually like, that's so crazy. Do I know you from somewhere? And everybody just feels like Sarah's their best friend all the time. She's so loving and friendly and gives the best hugs. And I went to the dentist the other day and the first thing they said was, oh my gosh, Sarah is so awesome. (laughs) Like every time she would come in, we told the whole office just to get ready because we just love her so much. And that's just like a very typical experience for me when I'm around anybody is they just tell me how amazing she is. She's one of the most kind, generous, and loving people that I've ever known. And she even made gay acceptor out of my mother, which was a hard thing to do. Well, way to go, Sarah. Okay, Becky, are you ready for your letter? I am. Dear younger self, please keep yourself open to life as it comes your way. 
Even though you've already decided how your life will probably look, you can never know what the future holds for you. Things are going to happen and experiences will come that you can't even guess or foresee, not in your wildest dreams. Happiness will look so much different than you think it is supposed to. Okay, so and Sarah, sure you tell us about open. Becky. Yeah, Becky's the life of the party. She's always <laughs> the one to throw in, like, something funny or witty, you know, when you're in a conversation with a group of people, and she just adds this element of joy. Um, she also has a huge heart for LGBTQ youth and anyone who isn't accepted at home. One of my favorite things about her is she's truly created this open-door policy in our home for mostly ends up being queer kids where like they're not safe in their own home. So they come here and they stay here. And there was a kid once that even said he had slept for the first time in quite some time because he finally felt safe and like he was protected. So she's done wonderful things for the kids and their friends and just creates a space of love and acceptance and inclusivity in the home. And she's an amazing mother and a wonderful wife. And I cannot imagine my life without her. That's so awesome. Well, you guys are my first people to ever have two people interviewed. And I loved you guys introducing each other because I think sometimes when you introduce yourself, you don't always share the same kind of things. So I love how you guys described each other. And I can tell you guys have just such an amazing relationship. And the way I met Sarah and Becky was Sarah worked with my husband, Nate, and we were at a Christmas party and I just, they're the type of people you're like, I want to be friends with these guys. They're amazing. Just like you said, you guys are both the life of the party and just super fun to talk to. And so I'm really excited to interview you guys today and hear more about your experience. Thanks Liz. We're excited to be here. Yep. I would love for you guys just to kind of give us a little bit of your backstory of what it was like growing up being gay and feeling different. You kind of alluded to that a little bit in your letters. And tell us about how you guys met. So I think my story's a lot different from Becky's in that I knew fairly early on that I, I don't know that I knew I was gay, but I definitely knew I was different. And that happened, I remember vividly, I was walking down the street with a friend of mine, we were walking around the neighborhood and I was 13, I think it was in like seventh grade. And my friend started talking about how she had feelings for this kid and you know, he gave her butterflies in her stomach. And it was at that moment that I realized, wait, there's a girl that gives me butterflies in my stomach. And that's where I knew like something was, something was different. And from that point on, I think there was a part of me where I was just trying to fit in so badly because I had this other side of me that I think I was just like suppressing. So I would outwardly try to do anything to show that I wasn't gay, if that makes sense. And then, I mean, outside of that, like I played sports through high school and I loved being outside and hanging out with my friends. And I was always really close with my mom growing up and she was amazing when I came out and I'll share more about that here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, just grew up upstate New York, and then my family moved to Illinois when I was a junior in high school, so went through like that change of leaving your roots at a pivotal time in your life. Um, so I think during that time, I became a little bit more outgoing than I was prior, just because I was you know, forced into this new place where I had to make new friends and kind of find my people. And then, yeah, well, I don't know where to go. We'll probably want to delete this part. <laughs> um, Let's see. How did we meet? Oh, yeah, how we met. So, yeah, so fast forward several years later, I was playing football for the 
there's a women's football league out here, and I was playing football for the Utah Blitz. And one of my teammates was this gal, Quinn. And Quinn had this girlfriend named Becky. <laughs> and we met originally at a Super Bowl party. And we had like a brief interaction at the Super Bowl party. And then fast forward like six months later, we had another encounter um, at, fo- at a football game, after a football game. And Becky said to me, I bet you don't remember my name. And I said, I bet I do. And then it was just like, we started talking and we initially would like, Becky would be hanging out still with Quinn and I wouldn't be hanging out with them. And Quinn would be like relaying messages from Becky to me, back Becky through text. And finally Quinn's like, oh my gosh, just take each other's phone number, which I bet she now regrets because that then <laughs> turned into... Sadly, Becky and Quinn broke up, but good for me. Becky and I eventually (laughs) got together. Um, And yeah, we started dating. And it's funny, in the beginning, Becky had some very strict rules. Um, She made it clear that, one, she would never get married again. Two, she would never move in with someone again. Three, she was not going to come out to her family nor her work. And four, she would never have a dog. And I would just like to fast forward and call out that we are now married. She's out to her family. She's obviously out at work. And we have two dogs. So it's funny how things change. But um, So Becky, never say never, I guess, right? Because if I do, then I'm going to have to do the opposite. So. <laughs> yeah, it's... So, and how long have you guys been together? Yes, we started dating in 2012. So almost 10 years together, and we've been married since 2018. So married almost four years and together almost 10 years. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. And Becky asked me to marry her because I knew better because she had said she was never getting married. Yep. That's what happened. That's awesome. Well, Becky, why don't you give us a little bit of your your story? Uh, My story is probably a lot more familiar to like you and some of your listeners where I was born into a, a very strict, um, I want to make sure that I say it right. It's Church of Jesus Christ, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. When I was growing up, it was LDS. Is that okay if I use that or would you rather have me use the full? Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Use, okay, you can fine. use LDS. Just want to be respectful. Um, so anyway, I was born into a, a very strict LDS family. We had like, my dad's family goes back all the way to the pioneers. In fact, one of his like, four great-grandfathers is Levi Savage. I don't know if you're familiar with who he is, but um, he came over with one of the pioneers. I feel like it sounds familiar. I probably should yeah, know they, who they he made, is, but Yeah, I've they made, like, it. a little movie about him and everything. So, like, we're definitely of, like, strong Mormon stock. And my mom joined the church for my dad, and so um, I just grew up, you know, doing the normal things that like an LDS kid does. I was in Idaho. And so we were surrounded by a lot of members of the church. And, um, I was a little bit more wild than I think that my parents would have preferred. But when I say wild, it's, it was still pretty tame. Um, and then I, I went to BYU and met a guy and got married in the temple and just, you know, did what, what I am, I had been taught that that was right to do. Fast forward, so I never had any attraction to a woman ever, ever, ever until I was 32 and I was at a function and I saw this woman across the field from me and I had the most intense attraction to her that I've ever had 
for anybody in my whole world and I mean in my whole life and then my whole world like exploded because I was like this isn't okay I'm um, LDS mom I have three kids we're active in the church and I didn't know what to do with those feelings and I also was like I really believe that you were born with these feelings so why didn't I feel them until I was 32 and that's still like a question that I like wonder about myself um and so yeah once that happened my whole world turned upside down and I went through a very very difficult um crisis um of you know of so many things of everything and so um yeah that's how that's how everything came out for me so it was a little bit different than I think most people's experiences and I think there's oh sorry and um Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I think there's something to be said for, like, the courage required to navigate your way through that. And I think that's something Becky doesn't always share that is just such a huge piece that, like, speaks to the strength that she has with her story. Like, to feel like everything you've ever been taught is against everything that you're currently feeling and, like, and then doing all the things that you're told to do when you have those feelings and none of it like working, right? There's like, yeah. I don't know. I think it's important to speak to that. And like, you're just so strong and courageous for navigating oh. your way through that. And yeah, Thank and you. coming out on the other side alive and healthy and yeah. with me, which is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have chosen anyone better. <laughs> yeah. But no, for me, I was, it took about 10 years for me to, um, I don't know, like say, this is me and to feel my truth and then to just start living it and then to tell my family, which was super hard and they were not happy. Um, and so, but, um, yeah, it's been a journey, a hard journey, but I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been now. So I think that says something. <laughs> so can you share a little bit about how, how was that process for talking to your husband and your kids and all of that? My husband was obviously not thrilled. Um, and But what I don't want to do is make anybody feel badly about their beliefs or anything. And but You just tell your story. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I told him that, I mean, it was obvious that I was spending a lot of time with this person she was in our ward and I started spending a lot of time with her and I think my husband already could tell that like the relationship wasn't a normal as you would think you know just a um, friendship between women and he kept asking me and finally I told him and he was super angry and he made me go to the bishop and instead of keeping it between the bishop and I the bishop decided that it was interesting enough to tell his wife who told everybody in the ward and so from that moment on, I had, I'm going to cry. Jeez. Anyway, from that moment on, I didn't have any friends. Like no one would talk to me or sit by me at church. And I was just trying to like go and do what I was supposed to do and hope that like, if I prayed enough or fasted enough or went to the temple enough times that like, I would stop feeling this way and I could have friends again and save my marriage. And it just didn't happen. <laughs> So after quite a few years of struggling with that, we decided to get a divorce. And I came out like a little bit at a time to each of my kids, but they all ended up being gay in the end. And so they were lovely and kind and sweet. It was mostly my extended family. And then, of course, my ex-husband, 
it was difficult for him as well. Well, I'm so sorry that you had that experience and it's unfortunate that people use that against you instead of rallying around you and saying like, how can we love you? How can we support you? How can we better be your friend? I think sometimes people, when they don't know what to do in a situation and there's kind of a weird herd mentality of people are like us and then there's somebody, people that are different. And I think that our society is growing and changing, but I think that no matter who you are, we have to look at, am I a person who's going to be an acceptor of people who are different or am I going to be a person who has the herd mentality and pushes away those that are different from me and I just I think that all of us can do better at being more loving more accepting and you know with Sarah's introduction she talked about that's one of your greatest strengths Becky is being able to accept others and love them and I think maybe feeling that rejection from your community has helped you to be able to be an advocate for those kids that don't feel loved and accepted. Thank you. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I think also I'm not necessarily angry with those people. I think that there's a lot of fear and uncertainty around things that you just don't know about. And so when you get to know somebody or you educate or you become educated about certain things, it becomes less scary. But I think probably what happened is everybody just heard it and then was scared of me kind of I don't know Becky you kind of talked a little bit about coming out to your family and that that was difficult do you guys want to share a little bit more about that experience of coming out yeah yeah I'll share my story so I was 19 when I first came out officially and my mom was one of the first people that I told. So first I told the person that I had a crush on that I had feelings for her. So that was my way of coming out to her. And unfortunately those feelings weren't reciprocated. (laughs) That was okay. Um, And then I, I came out to my mom and, you know, like I said earlier, my mom and I have always been really close and I've always felt so much love and support from her. And I don't know why I was so nervous to tell her because I should have known better but I remember we were meeting for lunch. So I was in college, my school, I was in living in Illinois. So Northern Illinois University was the school I was going to. And it was about 45 minutes from my home. So we met halfway for lunch and I knew I was going to come out to her. And I was nervous the whole way. And then we sat down at our table and this is like 1996. So, you know, the world was a little bit of a different place back then. And I remember the waiter coming up to take our drink order and he had on a necklace with the rainbow rings and it was like this sign because I was aware at that time I'd just actually been introduced to the pride color so seeing those pride colors on his neck was just like this sign that like you're okay and this is all okay he takes our drink order walks away and then my mom and I are sitting across the table from each other and I took a deep breath and I said mom there's something I have to tell you and She reached across the table, she grabbed my hand, and she said, I know, and it's okay. And I was like, you know, wait a minute. (laughs) And he was just so wonderfully loving and supportive, and there was no I love you, but it was just, I love you, and it's okay. And nothing changed with her and I. Like, she's just always been 
so loving and supporting. And I know not everybody has that experience when they come out to their mom. So I'm, I feel very, very blessed in that sense. Um, my dad was a little bit different. My parents were actually going through a divorce at this time. So I came out to my dad at a separate time. And he thought it was a phase and that I was going to get past it and didn't really believe it. Um, so that was interesting. And then my friends, so I was playing soccer at Northern and I slowly kind of came out to individuals and then eventually like the whole team knew. And it got back to me that there was a lot of concern from the team around rooming with me on away games. There was concern around me showering with them after our games. And we ended up having to have this like huge group meeting where there was like one of the university um, counselors was there to kind of mediate the conversation. My coach was there, my assistant coach, all of my teammates. And they basically just got to ask me anything they felt that they needed to ask to make themselves more comfortable with me. It was a really hard time because these were the women that I was like closest to. And I definitely felt the sense of just being an outsider. Fast forward though, like getting through that with them. Now those girls, some of those girls are like my best friends today. And we've like stayed in touch through all the years, but um, we definitely had to go through some of the thick of it to get where we are today. But, um, and then I actually, so when I first moved to Utah, I went back in the closet because I was worried about being out of the closet here. I didn't fully feel safe. So I almost came out twice in my life. Um, and then when I came out to my friends in Utah, like years after knowing them, a few of them were a little frustrated that I hadn't told them sooner. I've got one friend who still gives me crap about it to this day. Um, but I think a lot about now, like this difference between coming out and being out and coming out can be such a challenge because it's just, you just don't know how people are going to react or respond. And there's like, there can be a lot of fear and uncertainty around it. And being out is like, I'm just myself all of the time. And I don't have to come to somebody and say, hey, just so you know, I'm gay. It's more like we'll be in a conversation and naturally where I would throw in like, oh yeah, my wife, blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, something. It's like, I'm just being me and I'm sharing my life and I'm not feeling this need to like tell people that I'm gay anymore. So being out, is so much freer than coming out, if that makes sense. But no, that makes so much sense about the, I like that whole comparison of coming out versus being out, that you can just be who you are and not have to make a big deal about it every time you encounter people. And it sounds like, was it your soccer team, did yeah. you say? I'm sure that was uncomfortable. All these people that you're like, you guys are my best friends. And then you're almost like on display, yeah. whether they're going to accept you or not. I'm sure that was a tricky. Yeah. Situation. And it's interesting now, since then, there's two more gals on that team that are now one, both of them are actually married to women. One of them has a child, like is raising a kid with a woman. And it's just funny how things come full circle. And, and one of them was like one of the most uncomfortable of all of them. And then it turns out she was actually gay too. So it's also a reminder to give people grace because you never know what they're dealing with on the inside <laughs> that's causing their outward homophobia. Yeah. And I think sometimes people will project if they're angry at themselves for those feelings, they might project that onto you, yeah. but it might not really have anything to do with you. It's more just how they feel about themselves. Yeah. I think in lots of situations when people are unkind, it usually 
shows more how they feel about themselves than than yeah. you. Yeah, and I think I was even guilty of that before I came out. Like, you know, I was mentioning earlier, I did everything possible to make sure people wouldn't think I was gay. And I'm sure I made homophobic comments and, like, made fun of people and was a terrible human <laughs> at certain points <laughs> during that time just because I was so insecure with myself. Well, and you are probably just trying to figure out who you were, too, you know? Yeah. And, and then it doesn't help that your dad says stuff like, oh, it's just a phase. And even if you don't feel like it's a phase, you're like, I don't, my dad, this is what my dad thinks. And yeah, maybe it is a phase. I don't know. Is it a phase? And, yeah. and I too, I hope it's not a phase. And I think, too, like, I was raised Catholic, and there's definitely some guilt that came with that. And I think that's part of, like, coming to terms with yourself and your identity, it's often, it can be even more challenging when you have like these lenses of, you know, these lenses of life that you've been looking through and and the guilt that can come along with that. I think sometimes it's, yeah, it's hard to navigate through that. Becky, do you have any stories you want to share about coming out to friends sure. and family? Um, mine is not as beautiful as Sarah's is. <laughs> so, Um, I had actually introduced Sarah as my girlfriend to one of the executives that I worked for at my company, and he decided, or I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but he outed me to my whole team at work who were all men, and at first it was really difficult, but then they came around, and they were kind, and so um, I had told them that I was going to ask Sarah to marry me, and then I was going to come out to my family, and it was just so emotional. I didn't know what the right way to do was and I was so so scared it was the scariest thing I have ever done I think the scariest thing I'll ever do and one of my coworkers said well there's a movie that the church had released about somebody coming out to their family and he had come out to them over Facebook and then the parents had said I'm glad that he came out to us over Facebook because I don't know how we would have reacted if he would have come out to our face so I thought oh okay I that's how I'm gonna do it not through Facebook but I wrote everybody an email and sent it out. It was a Saturday night. I remember, mm-hmm. again, the scariest night of my life. Yeah. When I woke up, one of my sisters had already responded and said, we already knew. We love Sarah. We're so happy for you guys. Because I had said, I'm gay and we're getting married. <laughs> and then also my son wanted me to like say he was gay too. He's like, yeah, as long as you're doing it, just throw me in there. <laughs> I have a big family. I have six siblings. And so um, a few of them were super great and just loved us so much. A few of them were like, yeah, we understand. And then I, my mom and one of my brothers refused to really respond. And so that was, that was really difficult. And so for a little context, Becky and I had been dating for five years up to this point. And I had been coming around to family events as her, just as her best friend. So so the family already knew me and they'd seen us together. And I think that's where some of them kind of started to pick up on. Oh, maybe this is more, but yeah, but yeah, we hid for quite some time. Yeah. My mom and my one brother, they refused to come to the wedding and they wouldn't really acknowledge it for quite some time, but they've def. well, my mom's, well, mom's, my mom's coming around. <laughs> yeah. So it's been um, a lot better, but it was, it was so terrifying. And I, I mean, looking back at it now, I wish that I would have been less scared, but I don't. It's scary. It was the most terrifying thing I've ever, ever, ever done. I was so scared. Well, it's like the ultimate vulnerability, right? To say, this is who I am, and you're opening yourself up for acceptance and rejection. Sure. And 
not everyone has to do that. Everybody doesn't have that experience where they experience. Well, and my family, I'm close to them and I love them. And my worst fear is that they would all just stop talking to me and pretend that I didn't exist. My best friend all growing up, we're no longer friends basically because of this. And it's heartbreaking. That's my biggest catastrophic loss was the, the loss of my best friend. But my family, thankfully, has come around and loved and accepted us. So, Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I, I hope that she'll come around one Me day, too. too. It's, it's, been, it's, it's been a while, though. I- <laughs> it's my mission to find her and reconcile this friendship. Like, this will be done before I die. <laughs> no, but it's definitely, it's been worth it because... I was so unhappy and didn't realize how unhappy I was until I stopped being unhappy and then I was happy. And for me, this is my, the best way for me to live my life. And Sarah makes me happier than I ever was before. Mm-hmm. So I know it's right for us. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Well, obviously, we don't know everything about your best friend growing up, but I do think that to truly love a person, you accept all of them, regardless of people's sexual orientation or just whatever, just like human beings in general, we all have our shining parts of us and we also all have flaws and we have to accept all of that person, right? We don't get to pick and choose what parts we like, what parts we don't. And for your friend, she, maybe she has a few more lessons to learn to be able to accept and love From all what of I you. understand, it was a lot her husband that was not comfortable with us being friends any longer and maybe that's even what hurts more is that instead of her making the decision she just listened to him and did what he said so but who knows like I said I haven't talked to her in over a decade maybe she's listening maybe she is listening (laughs) (laughs) if you're out there come back (laughs) well I know you kind of talked a little bit about Talking to your work people, have you guys felt discriminated at work because of your sexual orientation? So I was always very cautious prior to Podium. I was always very, um, Podium for context is the company that I work for where I met your husband, Liz, as we know, but for those who don't. Prior to Podium, I was very cautious about who I was out to because I was worried about being discriminated against. So I don't have any recollection of being discriminated against because of my sexual orientation, but I do have a number of stories around being discriminated against for being a woman. So, which I think, yeah, yeah same, same, same as me. Um, I think thankfully nowadays, it seems like corporate America has come around to being more accepting and kind yeah. and also DNI initiatives for protecting people because of that has been really great and yeah I think now it's about like ensuring that we're creating cultures of belonging and that's something super that I'm super present to right now in my current uh the company that I work for right now like such loving wonderful amazing people that I think we all have a lot to learn and understand about each other to get to that place where we truly like have that culture where people feel that we're all, that we belong and that nobody's excluded because of certain language that we use. Like, I think that's more of the focus now. It's less, it's, it's gone, thankfully, I think, from being discriminated against to just feeling like you belong, which is yeah. almost two sides of the coin, which is so much better. Yeah. 
but not perfect still. Yeah. Well, and also, like, you might not be discriminated against, but if you didn't feel safe to come out at work, then that's an element yeah. of not feeling like you belong. Right? Yeah, that's a really that's good fair. point. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a really good point. I'm glad to hear that corporate America is doing better yeah. at being more accepting and that there's laws and things that will help protect the LGBTQ community to be able to be able to be open yeah. of who they are and not be able to be discriminated against. Appreciate that. And I think it's interesting too to hear some of the younger queer generation talks about how there's all this frustration and anger with like where we are and all this work that needs to be done. And through my lens, it's like, oh my gosh, we have come so far. And yes, there is still work to be done, but man, let's be hopeful and let's be grateful because there's just, we've just come so far, even just in the last five, 10 years. And, and even Utah, like a very conservative state where we have, yeah, we are finding common ground and yeah, we're finding our way. And, and most people, most people that we encounter are kind and loving. Yeah. Yeah. At least to our faces. Yeah. At least to our faces. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I was, um, me and Nate went and saw Top Gun. We watched like the beginning, the first one first. Did you guys see it? We haven't, we haven't seen, seen the it. second we yet, but I love it. You haven't seen the second one? Okay, you got to go see it. It's so good. But I was curious about Kelly McGillis because I was like, okay, we haven't really seen her after Top Gun. And she lived a pretty sad life, but it was interesting kind of reading about her she was gay and but she didn't feel like she could be like live with a woman she didn't feel like it was safe for her and so she married a man and kind of had this sad life and then later she ended up coming out but it was way later but I think she had like some hate crimes and things that happened to her people acting out because she was a gay woman I do think that our society is becoming more accepting but I do think that there's still a long way we can go with people just being less judgmental and more open, more yeah. loving. Do you, do you mind me rewinding for just a minute? You saying that totally made me think of something that I had completely forgotten about. So when I was telling Sarah when we were dating and how I didn't want to come out at work, one of the reasons was because I felt like the men treated me a little bit better hmm. because they thought I was pretty and straight. And I was scared that they wouldn't treat me as well if they didn't think that I wasn't straight. Mm. And yeah. like I, I, I remember thinking I, I was almost scared that I would either get demoted or maybe even lose my job yeah. um, just because I wasn't what the men thought that I should be. Yeah. I don't know. That speaks to so many things that we could go so deep into. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So interesting to think about women in power and how, how like a lot of times women tried to gain power from like the way that you look instead of how capable you are. Have you guys read the book Cassandra Speaks? No. Mm-mm. Cassandra Speaks is an awesome book. You definitely need to read it. But basically the whole book is about how different the stories would be told if they were told from a woman's perspective. She tells the story about the spell of Galatea and it talks about Galatea 
was um, one of the Greek and Roman stories. So Pygmalion decides that he wants to dedicate his life to sculpting this perfect woman to fall in love with. And he begs Venus to turn the statue into real life. So he spends all this time making this perfect woman and then she comes to life. But And she kind of goes on to share that we shouldn't put our value on our looks or that we aren't lovable unless we look a certain way and how there's all these stories throughout history that or paint the picture that like once you look this way then you're worthy of love and anyways just there's a lot of cultural things about how women's value is based off of their beauty or or that so anyways you definitely should read that book you guys would love it Anyways, it was really good. I remember listening to it while I was at the gym and watching all these people working out and sculpting their bodies to look perfect. And I wanted to yell at everyone at the gym and be like, you are more than just your body. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, That's so interesting. Yeah, Becky yeah. actually wrote it down. And I very rarely see her write the title of a book now. So you definitely <laughs> oh my gosh. grabbed her. It's you a good book. I really liked it. It was, it w- you should definitely put it on your list. Yeah, for sure. Wonderful. For sure. Tell us about your kids and some of the challenges that they have they have had. Um, Becky, you said that you had three kids from a previous marriage. Do you want to tell us a little bit I about them? I think I have the most amazing children on the entire face of the planet. You do. So, yeah, well, I, I, I guess I, I pretty much do. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting that we all ended up being gay. Uh, that's not how I ever saw my life going. I remember when Derek, so my oldest Derek, who's now in his mid twenties, when he was in middle school, my husband had found some internet searches and asked me to talk to him. And I said, do you think you're gay? And he said, I don't know. And that was like my first experience with having a gay child. And of course me feeling those feelings, I was instantly just mortified and I was like what is going to happen to my son what kind of life is he going to live is he going to end up with AIDS or is he going to have terrible things happen to him because that happens and so I was terrified and he eventually decided to come out all the way um, when he graduated high school and it was a rough it was a little bit of a rough road for him I think that gay men have a little bit harder time than gay women do and then um, my youngest we were on a walk once and he just said, hey, I think I'm a boy inside. And I was like, oh, wow. And so we went through a lot with him because before we understood about his body dysmorphia, he was feeling really suicidal. We had some scares with that. He was in counseling and things. And so once we figured out what was going on with him and got him good counseling and got him surgery and got him on um the right dose of testosterone. He's doing so much better, seems so much happier and just feeling like he's finally in his, his right body, which is amazing to see. My parents who didn't really understand what was going on because we weren't telling them because we didn't know how they would feel about it. And from the outside, they were saying, what is going on with, and I'm going to use his dead name. We, I try not to because it's just, he feels disrespected by it, but um, them saying, what's going on with Maddie? She seems so much happier and even from their outside perspective not knowing what was going on inside him I loved that 
there was even that just outside perspective that they knew that he was so much happier with himself. So that was quite the experience because I never, I didn't understand anything about the trans community. It's so complicated and scary and different. And um, he was so patient and kind with me and helped guide me along. And yeah. I feel so much better because of him. And then my daughter, she she was like, you guys are all gay, but I'm going to be straight, like in a cute I'm way. Be. <laughs> <laughs> or I am straight. And then one day she was she was like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with Maddie. And she had a friend. This is not my child. She had a friend that she would hang out with. And I was like, oh, why aren't you going with your other friend, Sam? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And then when she left, my son came up to me and said, Alyssa wants you to know that she's on a date with a girl. And so when she came home, I was like, are you, do you think you're a lesbian? She's like, yeah. And then that was it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, why didn't you tell us? (laughs) I know. She didn't tell us for a while. I think it's everybody's own journey. I had a friend, same thing, a friend of mine that came out like way later to me, even early on, I knew about their relationship and I'm just like, why is she not coming out to me? And I'd like, cause I'm gay of all the people to come out to, like come out to me, but it's, yeah, yeah it's everybody's own journey and in their own time. Even when there is a safe space, it's all well, and in I think their own time. The, the most, the, the most unkind thing you could do to somebody that you suspect is gay mm. is to corner them and ask them if they are. Yes. A hundred percent. Because the hardest thing in the world for a gay person to say is I'm gay. Yeah. And to force somebody to say when they're not ready is, I feel is cruel. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. That's. Good to remember. So your son that is trans, Matt? what's his name? So mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about, you were saying that he was having suicidal thoughts and just like was not in a good space before he transitioned. Can you kind of speak to that a little bit about how can the community be more, be more supportive? I had mentioned kids? previously, I think that a lot of people are just scared of it because they don't understand it. I was scared of it when he first told me because I didn't understand it for as much as I had experienced in my life. And I was getting married, getting married to Sarah in a month. And it was still very, very scary because if you don't understand it, it's really difficult to try to understand. So I feel as though just like talking and understanding where they're coming from. I didn't know wearing certain clothes or having your hair a certain way caused dysmorphia so that he was so uncomfortable in his body that he couldn't even stand it and he just wanted to end his life because he just couldn't exist in this body that didn't feel like his and so I just feel like knowledge and just attempt to understand and education and kindness is the best thing that anybody can do because all we any of us want is just to be understood and loved right and so um yeah. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think showing love and support, I think a lot of it too is, I mean, from yeah. what I understand, having this sense of your identity and knowing who you are and the actual physical body that you're in does not align with that. I think there's just such an internal battle that, that's that gone through that's hard on the outside to see. And that's why I think just the more we show love and support, knowing that there's all these struggles that they're going through, I think... I don't know that it makes it easier, but at least they feel they feel that support and, and love. And I think that for all people. all people, like seek to understand, be curious, ask questions, you know, be respectful with the questions and know that some people may have boundaries and not want to answer certain questions. But people like Becky and I were like, ask us all the questions. We'll tell you everything because we want so badly for people to understand and feel more comfortable and, you know, give people an opportunity to share their human experience because that's where we find 
common ground. And when we find that common ground, we start to, yeah, yeah. be closer and love more and be more compassionate. And that's where we want to get to. Yeah. And I feel like that's the whole reason I do my podcast is because I think that stories and learning about people really is what can change our views of life. And I really think that us learning from one another helps us to be more compassionate and be able to be better neighbors and, and better like husbands, wives, siblings, community members when we seek to understand, right? That we're not just judging people and looking at them and saying like, that's not how I would do it. That's not my experience. And so it's right or wrong or whatever that might be, but that we can seek to understand so that we can love and help. And it makes me so sad to think of these kids that that feel like they aren't accepted and so they want to end their lives. And I think that, you know, as our community can rally around these kids and show love and show support and we can keep more kids alive and keep help them to have a happy, successful life because there's so many wonderful things that they can share and do for our society. And we need, we need them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we absolutely do. We absolutely do. I have to shout out your husband, Liz, because he, when he first started at Podium, he had his pronouns on his Zoom name and he had his pronouns on his Slack handle. And that small signal is it's a signal of safety. And I remember the first time I was on a Zoom with him and this new person, and I see those pronouns and I know, okay, I can show up authentically with this person because I'm, I'm safe and they are an ally. And it's like those little things that people do make a world of difference. And Nate was one of those people for me and I will have and hold a special place in my heart for him always. Well, that makes me happy. It is interesting things like, you know, being a straight male I think a lot of times people are like, well, why would I need to give my pronouns? But it's good for people to remember that that that's a sign of safety. Yeah, I actually um, was – so I work in the accounting department at my company, and I get a lot of outside emails. And I did receive an email from somebody, and they had their pronouns in their signature. And it meant so much to me. I reached out to him and said, I cannot tell you how much this means to me as a parent of a trans child, this just means so much. And I think I like surprised him and he just wrote back and he's like, Oh yeah, great. Thanks for telling me. I'll tell him. But it, for me, it yeah. meant so, so much. And all it was was his email signature. Yeah. So it's little signals. Yeah. Yeah. What are some other signals or things that people have done to help you guys feel more love and acceptance. Yeah, I think we had an interesting experience a few years ago. It was the first time our next door neighbor put up their pride flag during Pride Month. And and that's huge because, you know, we live in a, we're in Utah County and we're in a fairly conservative area and you just never know. Like you read our Facebook neighborhood page and there's some hate on there. So you just, you don't know. And then when you see somebody show their allyship, it makes a difference. So we have other friends that have uh, love, a love wins little sign in their yard that they keep up year round. I think any little signal of allyship makes, makes a difference. Yeah. And just like, I mean, there's so many ways to be an ally beyond like the signals. It's also like 
you know, think about the people, I don't want to get political, but like, think about the people that we're putting in office and are those people protecting our rights or are they hurting them? And, you know, it seems like that, just like being thoughtful around the decisions that we're making as a, as a whole, like think about how those decisions impact the people that you love and care about. There, there are huge things that people can do. They can volunteer and they can yeah. donate and they can do all those things. But you know what? Sometimes it's just like when Sarah and I are walking together and somebody catches our eye in the store and then gives us a genuine smile, knowing that we're together. And that means the world yeah. because we don't hold hands in public. We yeah. don't kiss in public. We don't ever act as though we're married because I think people, especially with children, don't appreciate seeing that. So we're just always trying to be extra respectful of anyone that's around us. Yeah. It's almost like there's two sides to think about that. There's like the people who look at it like, no, protect my children from seeing that. And then there's also like, what child could we actually potentially make a difference for? Cause maybe they're gay and they yeah. see that representation and it's hard I don't know. To, it's hard so complex. Know. Yeah. <laughs> so what would be a good conversation to have with young children? Yeah, I was just question. having this conversation with a coworker because um, she is trying to raise her child to be accepting and loving. And she's like, but we don't see a lot of people. And I don't think we've ever seen a gay couple before. And um, I was like, well, you know, if you saw somebody holding hands, just be like, sometimes boys fall in love with boys or sometimes girls fall in love with girls and they love each other. And I mean, we were just talking about this too, about how so many people try to sexualize homosexuality mm, yeah. <laughs> because it's not about, it's not about that. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. People, I think they go down this path of thinking about the intimate side and it's like, no, it's, I mean, there's so much more to it. There's connection and self-love and self-acceptance and, and we're not thinking about our straight friends' intimate lives, so why would they think about ours? You know, I think sometimes that's where people struggle with it because they're like, oh, but that's gross and I don't understand it. Well, you don't have to. Like, you don't have to understand it and you don't even have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I yeah. yeah. Yeah, I feel like my kids at the stores and stuff, they're always, like, embarrassing me by, like, when they see somebody that's, like, different from them and they're, like, they're pretty, like, vocal about, like, oh, look at that person. They're so short or, you know, different different things that I'm, like, okay. Yeah, um, I remember when um, – because, you know, obviously we, we were raising our kids active LDS, and I remember once being with our kids and somebody was smoking and they were, like – look at that guy that's smoking. He's a bad person. And I was, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah. Yes, I feel your pain. Well, and I think just helping kids to understand that there might be people different than you and that's okay. And we should always have a safe space for people who are not like us that we can we can still be friends we can still love and have them a part of our community even if they don't think or are just like us you know and we get so in our way of thinking that sometimes it's hard for us to be close to someone who maybe has like a different political affiliation or thinks different religiously or as well as like our sexual orientation or whatever that might be. But I think the more we gather people who are different than us and I think the more rich our lives are and, you know, having like a 
homogenous group of friends that all think and act and look the same, that doesn't help you to grow as a person. But I think having the diversity really does help us to be better people. Yeah. And the other thing too, thinking about kids and like what you could say to them, I think if I had little kids today, I would say, what would it look like to be kind? Anytime a situation would come up where they would be doing something that's like, I don't know, that I would want to try to shift the behavior on, I think I would say, yeah, I hear that. So what, what would it look like to be kind to that person? Or what would it look like, like, how could you be kind? And like, just kind of get them in that frame of thinking where it's like, where we just get in the frame of always leading with kindness. I don't know. That probably won't. Yeah. Maybe. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to use that. <laughs> we're in the summer of like my kids, my boys beating up on each other. So we can yes, use that in all know. aspects of our life. So I'm going to use that. Coming from a woman who's never so, had little yeah. children. <laughs> I've never had little kids. So <laughs> test it out for me. <laughs> Is there anything you wish that people knew about your story? I think for me, it's like, while the, while the label that I identify under is important and a huge part of me. There's also a unique human experience that goes along with that. And I think this is more to speak to other stories than my own, like just understand that just because I'm gay and I identify this way, and this has been my experience, doesn't mean that it's the same experience for another gay woman. So I think just getting ourselves outside of, tying the label to the human experience and rather seeing the label. So understanding there's, you know, there's a human experience that goes along with that, but understanding that every human experience is unique, no matter what the label is. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think for me, what I want people to know about my story is they could look at me and just see a woman who's married to a woman, but not understanding that, I was raised like a lot of these people and I believed the same way as a lot of these people. And I didn't expect this nor necessarily want this. And I feel like if we go through life thinking that we can't be touched by something that's different than what we expect. Like my sister-in-law, when, when I came out, she came up to me and said, me and your brother, understand what you're going through, but we would have never made the same choices as you. And she doesn't have any idea what choices she would have made had she lived my life. And so I think that there's just something to be said about trying to not live your life with blinders on Mm. and thinking that you know what it's going to be like. Because not in a million years would I have seen this future for myself. Never. Never. And here I am. I don't know. I think that's really beautiful and important to remember that, you know, we all have different experiences and we all feel and experience different things. And, you know, it's so interesting to think about because you can be in the same room with somebody and hear the same thing. And one person can, you know, be really touched and the other person's not, you know, and like we all experience this world differently. And I think that's, I think it's a beautiful part of us. I think it's also, it challenges us and helps us to have to continually be more accepting. It's good to be like Sarah and say like, 
regardless of how I think I would react in a situation, what does it look like to be yeah, kind? For sure. Yeah. That's very you. Hmm. She has a tattoo on her arm that says, Be kind. Be kind. Amongst many other tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. love it. If you could go back in time to any stage of life and give yourself advice, where would you go and what would you say? I would go back to that woman who had these feelings and thought my life was over and said, someday you will be grateful for this and someday you're going to have a fantastic, amazing life and try so hard to be positive and to not be so hard on yourself. Because it was some rough, it was some rough years there. And, you know, a lot of people who experience same-sex attraction or go through suicidal times in their lives. And I did that as well. And I, it was unnecessary, I think, going looking back. But I didn't know what else to do with it. So I just would have tried to give myself hope and tell myself that things were going to get better. I love that. Thank you. Sarah, Yeah, I would go back to my late teens. And similarly, I'd say love yourself and know that there's nothing wrong with you. I'd also tell myself that every conversation matters and you never know whose life you're going to impact by just being yourself and that it's the authentic you that the world is going to embrace. So be proud and live your life out loud. And I would also say pay attention in math class because, yes, you will use math someday. (laughs) I use math every day and I'm always like, what what kind of math is this? What math should I have paid attention to so that I could figure this problem out better? (laughs) That was a weird ending. I know. We can cut that out. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for being on this podcast. You guys have taught me so much and I just think that you both are incredible women and You guys have so much to offer the world and I'm just grateful that you guys found each other and that you guys are such a positive influence on the world. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. This was, this was an honor.